Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. So we are actually going to be talking about fruit a lot this morning. We're going to talk about fruit, fruitfulness, unfruitfulness, and you're going to hear the word fruit so much this morning, you're either going to hate fruit by the end of this, or you're going to become so hungry for fruit, you're going to be salivating at the idea of a bowl of grapes, and you're just going to go nuts over fruit. Nuts over fruit. That's a good expression. I like that. All right. So we're talking about fruitfulness this morning. Now, how many of you have ever felt, and I I find especially around this time of year, just meaningless, lost, down, like nothing's going right. I find during the February months, and, and we're in that like dead of winter time, and it was so cold this morning, I start to get a little down. I start to get a little like uninterested in doing anything but staying in bed, staying cozy, staying warm, and then my mind starts to wander with stupid ideas because I'm not really doing anything. I'm kind of lazy. And so I start to have, have the wrong thoughts and then I'm not doing enough and I'm not getting outside and I'm not getting vitamin D and I'm not getting exercise. And so my whole life just starts to break down and I stop doing the things that God wants me to be doing so as to live a productive or as Paul is saying, a fruitful life. How many of you have ever been in the same situation where you stop living productively, you're no longer living a fruitful life, but an unfruitful life, right? I see a few hands. We've got some honest folks. Good. Awesome. So this works in two different ways. This works in our physical bodies, but this also affects our spiritual lives, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But for our physical bodies, when we load up on junk, sugar— and we stop exercising, we start to get fat, we start to get lazy, we start to get sick, and then we start to get useless. We're just, we're just there, and we're not productive, and our bodies don't like that. But then the second you eat a piece of fruit, like Peter's probably doing, hopefully, I don't know. <laughs> he might have thrown it away, I'm not sure. But the second we eat a physical piece of fruit, it's almost like instantly our bodies just jolt. And all of a sudden we are productive and we're no longer lazy and our bodies feel better. And and things just start to change rather quickly. The second our physical bodies become fruitful, everything starts to change. And the same is true about our spiritual Lives. When we start to live productive lives or fruitful lives, as Paul is using this uh, analogy, our lives start to change. So we have to be on track doing the right things to live productive and fruitful lives. Now, what is this fruitfulness? What is this fruit that the Apostle Paul is talking about. Well, if you look again at Titus chapter 3, verse 14, it tells us, 
It says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. Good works. So as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. The Apostle Paul is making a connection between this idea of productivity, good works, and fruitfulness. That if we are to have fruitful and productive lives that give us meaning, give us purpose, get us out of that kind of, ah, oh, things aren't working right, and I have no meaning, and I have no purpose, and my life's a mess, he is saying that the solution is to fill our lives with good works that lead to productive and fruitful lives. So, now the question is, becomes, how do we do that? Titus chapter 3. We're going to read the entire chapter together now because it's going to lay out all these different questions, sorry, all the different answers to the questions that we now have about how to live fruitful and productive lives. Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for the person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith, and grace be with you all. So we're going to break this chapter down into four sections. How to be fruitful, or what makes us fruitful. Why we should be fruitful. What makes us unfruitful. And what to do with unfruitful people that are in our lives. So, Verses 1 and 2 give us a couple of ideas of how we can live fruitful, productive lives doing the right things that help us be on the right path. One is to be, submiss- to be submissive to rulers and authorities. 
to have obedience towards them, to do good works for people, to not speak evil of anyone, to not quarrel or fight, to be gentle and to be courteous. These are the things, and this is not an exhaustive list. We could add other things to this list, I'm sure. But these are some examples of things that we have to do, we need to do, to live fruitful and productive lives that get us on the right path of what God wants from us. Verses 3 through 8 tell us why we need to do this. And this, cha- this section is, is just, wow, amazing. You see, in our former lives, before we came to know Christ, we lived unfruitful lives. We were lost. We were without hope. We were without salvation. We were without Jesus. And so because of that, we were living for ourselves, living selfishly, pursuing our own goals, and not pursuing a kingdom that is higher than us. And so because of that, our lives were unfruitful. But because of the work of Jesus on the cross, he makes it possible for us to live fruitful and productive lives. And so this is not you have to do good works so that you get saved. This is you do good works because you are saved. In response to what Jesus has done for you, for me, for us, we do good works and live for him, pursuing those things that he wants for us because he did it for us first. Amen? Like, this could be a sermon all on its own. Like, like Jesus died for you to set you free from sin so that you could no longer be unfruitful, but fruitful. And that's amazing. Then Paul goes on to share in verse 9 things that make us unfruitful, things that we are to avoid, things that we are to stop doing, things that we should just not be pursuing. And to boil it down, he he says that we should not participate in arguments over non-essential matters. He calls these things unprofitable and worthless. How many of us have ever been caught up in one of these worthless, unprofitable arguments over something that just doesn't matter? Come on, let's see some honesty. Mm, All of us, okay? We all do this. I've done it. I've done it with my wife. I've done it with a friend. I've done it with maybe some of you. You've done it to your spouse, your children, your friends, people in this room. It happens. We are to avoid it at all costs because doing this is unprofitable and worthless and gets us distracted from the things that God says these things matter. And these things don't. And you're on the wrong path pursuing things that don't matter. Pay attention, wake up, get on the right path, and stop doing these things that make you unfruitful. And then in the last section, Paul warns us what to do with unfruitful people. He says in verse 10 and 11, uh, as for a person who stirs up division, someone who's just, you know, a problem, After warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. This person is warped and sinful and self-condemned. There are people 
who are living unfruitful lives that can distract us from the life God wants for us. And Paul is saying, warn them once, warn them twice, and after that, let them go. Do not let unfruitful people influence your life, your journey with Jesus, because they will pull you off that path and lead you in the wrong direction. Our first week of this series, Standing Out, Pastor Evan told us that we are to follow leaders who follow Jesus. And this is sort of the same idea here, that we are to follow people, that we are to be influenced by people, that we are to surround ourselves with people who follow Jesus, who have fruitful lives, and are not unfruitful. And if they are, we are to warn them once, and then twice, and then let them go. You don't let them go right away. You warn them once, you warn them twice. And sometimes, this is a difficult thing for us to practice. I was in a church before coming to Amherst. Won't say where. Mark may have said where earlier. But uh, <laughs> this, this needed to be practiced sometimes, and it was messy. And it led to some hurts, and it led to some problems. And none of us want problems, do we? We want nice, easygoing, peaceful, loving relationships with one another, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you have to warn someone once and then twice and then let them go and say, look, your life is unfruitful and it's leading me away from Jesus and I just can't let you influence me any longer. Paul summarizes all four of these things in verse 14 by saying, devote yourself to good works and be fruitful. Now, as we were going through these four sections, there's probably some things that hit you like, that's hard. I don't know if I can do the things that make me fruitful, like submitting to authority. I don't know if I can really comprehend what it means to have Jesus do this great thing for me and and, and worship him fully, that's hard. I find it difficult to stop pursuing and participating in arguments that are non-essential. That's hard. I find it hard to let people who are unfruitful in my lives, I find it difficult to let them go. You see, in all four of these categories, there's a lot of hard work involved in becoming fruitful. Here's the point. In order to grow a fruitful life, you need to get to work growing it. There's hard work involved in leading and growing a fruitful life for yourself. In order to grow one, you have to do the hard work. You have to be willing to make those sacrifices, to do those things that you find hard to become fruitful, whether that's submitting to authority, whether that's worshiping Jesus fully, whether that's stop doing the things that are dumb, or letting people go who are distracting you from Jesus. All these things are hard work, but they need to be done in order for us to live the fruitful life that God has for us. So how do we do this? How do we make sure we do the hard work? How do we put this into practice? 
three things. Number one, we got to prune the bad fruit in our own lives. We got to prune the bad fruit in our own lives. We got to repent of our sins. There are things in your lives that are holding you back from a deeper, more intimate, closer walk with Jesus that he says, that's not for you. That's not good for you. You need to repent of those things, turn away from them, and stop doing them. We need to stop participating in arguments and conversations that are just divisive and non-essential. We have to just let our preferences go. We have to let our own selfish desires go. We have to be willing to work with others. We have to be willing to understand that not everyone is perfect like I'm not perfect, right? I almost said I'm perfect, but I'm not. See, we have, <laughs> we have this inclination to believe, well, I'm, I'm perfect. Why couldn't everyone just be like me? So-and-so over here, they're a real idiot. Like, come on. <laughs> But that's not how it works. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. They're not perfect. We got to work together on this. Let's stop arguing over divisive things. We got to stop making excuses. Whether that's when God calls you to take a deeper walk with him, instead of going, well, you say yes. Yes to Jesus. Stop making excuses. So we have to prune the bad fruit in our own lives, our sins, our excuses, the things in our lives that are not pleasing to God. Number two, we have to start to produce the right fruit in our lives. And Paul already gave us a couple of examples, but let me give you a few extras. We have to be in the Word of God daily. We have to be in prayer daily, letting God direct our paths, speak into our lives, cleanse us, and do all the work that He wants to do in us. And we do that by being in His Word and in prayer daily. We do this by serving one another. By serving one another. Letting go of our own preferences, letting go of our own plans and desires, and we say, I'm just going to serve that person. I'm going to wash their feet. I'm going to go out of my way for that person to serve them. Another way we can do this is just to worship God fully. As a youth pastor, I've been trying to really get the teens to understand what worship is and, and how that all works. And a lot of the times when we do worship at youth group, they're all very self-conscious about other people looking at them and judging them for singing out loud or raising their hands or something like that. And I'd tell them, don't be self-conscious about what other people are thinking about you when you worship. When we're here on a Sunday morning and the band's up here and, and we're in the Word of God or whatever it is we're doing, you're allowed to shout Amen. You're allowed to raise your hands. You're allowed to worship God fully without holding anything back because, oh, someone might see me and they might think I'm weird. Right? No. You can worship God fully when you're here. If we want to produce the right fruit, we've got to start being courteous with one another, with our spouse, with our kids, our coworkers, the people we interact with in the community. 
with one another here in the room. We've got to be courteous, kind, and compassionate to one another. So we've got to prune the bad fruit. We've got to produce the right fruit. And then number three, we have to surround ourselves with other healthy fruits or people. There's an old saying that one bad apple can spoil a bunch. You've probably heard that one, right? That wasn't a bad apple, was it, was it Peter? Was it good? Good so far? That's good. Picked it myself. One bad apple can spoil a bunch. We've all heard this expression. And so when there are these unfruitful people in our lives, these people who are just rotten, who are just not following Jesus, who are leading us down the wrong path, we've got to prune them out of our lives. We've got to get them out of our lives. And we have to surround ourselves with other healthy pieces of fruit or healthy people who are living fruitful lives. So if, if I'm a fruitful person, we'll pretend I am for now, I got to surround myself with other fruitful people so that I'm built up, so that I'm encouraged, so that I stay on the right path and I don't get tempted towards something that is not of God. As iron sharpens iron, we have to surround ourselves with people who will encourage us, who will build us up, who will lead us down the right paths as we learned week one of this series. A couple ways we can do this, we can get into a small group. We have all these small groups in our church, and man, mine is just fantastic. I love being in my small group, being challenged, being encouraged, being built up by other people who are living fruitful lives for Jesus. And so get into a small group if you haven't already. Speak encouragement to one another and find people who will speak encouragement, but also correction into your life, as we learned in week two of this series. That we have to allow ourselves to be encouraged and corrected by other people who are living fruitful lives. And one other way we can do this is we can just commit to our church, to our ministry, to the thing that God has called us to and say, I'm committed to this, I'm focused on this, and I'm not going to turn to the left or the right. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to commit myself to my local church. And that might mean there's going to be times where I butt heads or rub elbows wrongly with someone, and that's going to be okay. You're going to learn the skills that you need to work through those problems because we all need them. So we have to prune the bad fruit. We've got to produce the right fruit. We've got to surround ourselves with other fruitful people who build us up, who lead us the right way in order for us to live productive and fruitful lives. The band's going to come up and they're going to lead us through a time of worship. And so as they're doing that, a couple things I want to leave you with. When we hear the word of God, there's, there's the hearing of it as we just wrapped up. But then there's our response to it. And I don't know how this message hits you. If you're like, you know what? There's things in my life that I need to prune. Sins in my life. Things that are just not of God. Or maybe it's, you know what? I'm just lacking some of the good things, the good fruit that I need to be producing in my life. Or maybe you're just lacking 
the right people in your lives, and you're alone, you feel, on this journey, and you need to be surrounded by other people who will build you up. Or lastly, most importantly, maybe you're here and you've not made a decision to follow Jesus. And I want us to just take us back to that section where it says that Jesus, through his work, made it possible for us to live fruitful, productive, meaningful, purposeful lives. If you're here this morning and you do not have that life with Jesus where there's purpose and meaning and fruitfulness in your life, maybe today you need to make that decision too. And so as the band leads, these altars are open. And if you need to come forward to repent of some sin or talk to God about something that you need to start doing, maybe you need to, instead of go to the altar, go to someone else in the room who maybe you've got some conflict with that you need to resolve. Maybe you need to go to someone and say, I, I need encouragement from you. You can do that too. Or maybe you need to just come forward and accept Jesus or talk to someone here in the room who is following Jesus and have that conversation with them. You can have that conversation with me, with Pastor Evan, with Pastor Cheryl, or any one of our volunteers. But there's work that needs to be done in our lives and in this room that God wants to do. He wants to prune the bad fruit in your lives. He wants to produce the right fruit. He wants to get you surrounded by people who are going to build you up. And so whatever needs to happen now, as the band leads us, be listening to God's voice, following his direction to take that next step. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways. Thank you.